All right, it is wonderful to be here together this morning to sing together. Always love worshiping through communion. But as we think of Thanksgiving, what you're thankful for, I was sitting here this morning just truly grateful and thankful for God's word. When's the last time that you like just stopped and you were thankful that God gave us his word? So we're talking about wisdom and what to do in your life. God doesn't leave us to just fumble around in the dark guessing how to live what he wants from us. God has given us a love letter telling us how he feels about us, how to live our lives with wisdom. I'm grateful for that. And that's our hope, that we hear from God this morning, not from any man. To that end, I would love to pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I am grateful. I don't want to take it for granted that we can now turn to the word of God. One access to it, as many countries don't even have access, let alone the mere fact that you loved us enough, that you wanted to tell us, that you wrote it down in a book, your heart for us. God, that you don't leave us just fumbling around in the dark. You said, here, here's how to live the life that's pleasing to me. God, we're grateful for that, and that's the wisdom we want this morning from you and your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We talk about wisdom, that's where we're in the series on the book of Proverbs, kind of ancient life hacks, you know, I mean, you know, wisdom of how to live your life well. We have modern day ones, right? Little things that we do to help live a better life. You know, coming off of Thanksgiving, I know many of you are probably going out to eat a lot, but then you don't want that, you know, pizza, your food to get cold on the way home. Bam! Turn on that seat warmer. Keep the pizza hot while you're driving home. You want that Chinese food to get cold? You got that seat warmer? That's a life hack. Your life's going to be better. You're welcome. I even got this one from the Durbin family, our worship leader. Every time they get pizza, you ask for free plates. That's free dishes every time you get pizza. I promise you I'm going to do that every time I get pizza now. And I'll give you that. Here's a life hack. This is true story. My family to yours, since we're talking about paper plates. So, you know, everybody's eating leftovers. I'm just trying to look out for you. So I was making leftovers, go to head, you know, put it on the plate, heat it up. My kid, you know, I'm in the kitchen, he's like, dad, dad. And he points to the microwave, and for a second I wonder, why is there a small campfire in my microwave? <laughs> the hack to you is don't put metal in the microwave. So no joke, you know, that, oh, that's a nice paper plate. Apparently the trim of that is probably metal, because I'm heating up my food and just, woof, there's just a fire in my house, so... You know, that's less of a life hack. Just, I'm just looking out for you. Don't put metal in the microwave. So we're here to help. That's what we're all about. So that's kind of the idea, right? Man, what are some things we could do to make our life go better? And more than silly tricks, God gives us wisdom and a lot of different things, and we're going through different topics. So today, we're going to look at what is God's wisdom towards money? I want to throw that out there. And I know some people can get jumpy. You know, some churches, that's all they do is talk about money, trying to get money from you. That's not our church. I'll tell you right now, my hope for you is for you to experience peace and freedom in the midst of money. There's no doubt that money is a stressor in our lives, in our culture, in our marriages. My hope for you is to find freedom from that. And how do we get there? By experiencing God's wisdom towards how do we kind of go about money. 
So there are, I mean, I look in in preparing for this, there's probably over 100 verses, and we're going to get into a lot of them, not all 100, don't worry, but there's so much to say, and kind of here's how I've organized it and try to help us this morning. As Proverbs looks and tells us, okay, how do we view money? How do we get it? And then how to handle it when we get it. Kind of that's where I want to go. I'm a little sad to give this today because everything I'm about to tell you, most of you broke all this on Black Friday. But hey, you know, I got you before Cyber Monday. God is sovereign. Let's kind of dive in. In most of the ways, when it's ta- the Bible's talking about that, it's a lot of cautions of having a poor view of these things, right? You know, I want to get to a proper view, but it really kind of cautions us against that. So let's dive into what is a poor view of finances, that we view it the wrong way. Proverbs 18.11. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. And that probably doesn't hit us right away because our modern cities are a little different. You think of cities back in this time, you know, I mean, you hear about it all the time. Even, you know, you take Jerusalem, you hear about the gates. They had these massive walls around the cities. You know, hear about the famous walls of Jericho and the Great Wall of China. Cities would surround themselves with massive walls. Why? We have robbers coming through, invading nations. That wall was their primary defense. That was their security. So what is an improper view of wealth that we have? That money is our security. We're okay if we have money, right? And that's kind of where so many of us fall into. But I like it says, even in his imagination, You know, it's not the security that we think it is. I'm going to get into savings. I'm for that. But if money to you is your security, you're in trouble. And let's be honest about it. I think it's more of that than we realize. You ever lose your money, lose your job? Do you wig out when money's low? Why? Because money's your security. I'm okay. My life is safe and secure if I have enough money around me and enough all of this or that. Be careful of that. Do you have a proper view towards your security and your wealth? Here's another thing. Proverbs 12, 9. Better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. So what's kind of the caution of the wrong perspective we have of this? You see kind of a proper one, kind of lowly, you have a modest living so you can care for what you need. What's the improper view? Pray, playing the great man and lacking bread. Why doesn't he have bread? He's spending all his money to impress everybody else. He's using his wealth to impress other people, to buy all those things. And I love it. You talk about ancient, you know, life hacks. Tell me this doesn't apply today. You know, tell me, and not just, oh, the society out there, how many of us fall prey to that, that we got to have the right shoes, the right car, we want to have a nice home. Why? So we can look like a great man, so we can feel significant and impress other people. It was no different back then. Like, we want to have designer shoes. They were the same, you know? Like, man, check out my designer Julius Caesar sandals, man. You know, like, oh, dang! Them the Air Caesar 12s, look at them sandals, and oh! It's no different. We're the same. So it's an improper use of wealth trying to impress people and tell me you don't fall into that. I heard a great, you know, read a great article once and it was interviewing people wise with wealth and they were kind of interviewing them and one of the things they found out, you know what the most, one of the most common cars of these kind of really wealthy people were? A Buick. 
which is fascinating because all of us would probably think some big fancy car, but you know what they figured out? They figured out this wisdom, and that's probably why they're wealthy. You know, the top-of-the-line Buick, you don't really get that many more features and that much more car from the other luxury vehicles. They realize, man, if you're going into that, there's a chance, and I'm not judging your heart, but there's a chance past that you're just buying status. You just want to play the great man. Is that you? Do you fall into using your money so you can feel significant, you can feel great? Security, significance. And that is an improper view of what money is to us. Look at this one. A rich man is wise in his own eyes, but a poor man who has understanding will find him out. What is wealth to this guy? I mean, this is his self-justification. This is where he can feel autonomous from God and others because he is okay. I mean, he's got his money and he doesn't need anybody. He is wise in his own eyes. Now, I could walk through many more but you see, money for these people is security. It's their significance. You know, it's their freedom, their self-justification. I want you to think, what is money to you? you know, I remember doing premarital counseling back when we got married. And I remember our counselors saying this. Understand, what is, money means something to you. There's nothing like innate or inherently good about this piece of paper. I mean, this is a germ-infested, like, dirty piece of paper. They've done studies. It's, it's very dirty. So there's nothing special about this, but this means something to everybody. And you could fall into different categories. It's helpful to know, what is it for you? Is money power for you? Is it your freedom to live your life how you want? Or is it your security? Is it your high wall? And that's what makes you feel okay. And if you don't have money, you don't feel secure. It's important to at least you know, wrap your head around that and understand. But as you begin to unpack all these things, to wrap our head around, you know, what is an improper and proper view of money? Think about what money can become to us. Our security, our significance, our justification. What does that sound like to you? That's a God in your life. An improper view all throughout Proverbs. You know what the great temptation of money is? To worship it. There are very few things where God puts himself in direct competition with, but he does with money. He says, look, you can't serve us both. You're either going to serve money or serve me. I'm either your hope or money is your hope. It can't be both. You're going to love one and despise the other. Proverbs warning of how to view money, it warns us over and over the temptation to view money as your God. You are lying to yourself if that's not a real temptation. Again, think about it. When you lose money or you lose your income, do you wig out? How do you feel? There's a, man, you're not walking with God, not praying with God, and or you lose all your money. Which one do you wig out about more? Most of us probably our money. Why? Because that's where we find more of our security and significance from. What is a proper view? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and he is safe. A proper view of money and provision is God provides. Your hope is in God, not in money. Why? Do, and if we truly believe that, we would have no anxiety, right? Why would you ever worry if you really believe that? Why do we worry? Because we're tempted to find our hope and provision in God. I was sitting down with somebody, you know, a lady came into the church because she was, you know, going on hard times. So I was sitting down with Selena. 
You know, sometimes people change name to protect their identity. I'm doing that, and I pick Selena because I like that name. <laughs> so I'm sitting down, Selena. That's, that's not a real name. But so I'm sitting down with this lady who's fallen on hard times. She's going to lose her house from a family issue. It's going through intense medical bills. Anybody ever have medical bills? It ain't cheap. And she is really wrestling with, I don't know what's going to happen. I might be on the street. I don't know where I'm going to live. I might be living in my car. Very real issues that many people face. And I said, whoa, 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 hold on, time out. I mean, this is a sister in Christ. And I asked her some questions that I want to ask you right now. So she's worried. Why? I don't think I'll have enough money to provide. And I said, wait a minute, is our hope in money? So I asked her, wait, what's your hope in? God. Can God provide for you? Yes. And I asked her one final question. Why are we so worried then? I mean, if we truly believed this and had a proper perspective on money, we would not worry. I want to ask you those same questions. I mean, everybody wishes they had more money and think, man, I don't have enough. And wait a minute, and all your fears... Is money your hope to get you through? No. Is God your hope? Yes. Can God provide for you? Yes. And I mean, some of this morning, I just want you to be able to relax and take a deep breath. I mean, do you really think a proper view of money is all of money is God's money? Trust me, it's not hard for God to cover your bills. I've had medical bills. Like, what do you really think? Like, that's hard for God to cover you. Like, do you really think Jesus is in heaven? Like, Father, I ain't got it, dog. I mean, I can put something, I'm all out of manna. Like, what do I, Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit's like, <sighs> like, you really think God can't cover you? God can provide. And if you have a proper view of that, it's okay. And one of the things I get so nervous preaching, because I know God's gonna like, work me through it in my heart first. So I saw money, I'm like, dang it. So, you know, right as I'm preparing for this sermon, we had to side our house. It's not cheap. So we're siding our house, and you, like, see the savings take a hit, like, ooh. And, like, some, some checks hurt a little bit, and you kind of, as you're doing that, you look at the savings dwindle, and, you know, newsflash, sometimes money can be tense in marriage. Probably just, you know, not yours, I'm sure. But, you know, we're wrestling through that. And so, you know, we're praying. And my wife is praying and she's a good prayer. So, and I remember her praying, God, we're being faithful. We want to build our savings back up. You know, we trust you to provide. Like almost in that moment of that day, like we literally just found a check that was uncashed that got like folded in with all of our bills. It was just like a little, like God wink. God's like, I got you. It's okay. Do you believe that this morning? And the key to that is, you know, we felt like we were being faithful. So don't hear me say, like, you know, God's just your sugar daddy. And like, man, I'm going to be pulling out checks everywhere. Like, God, I'm all out. Like, give me that platinum heaven card. Pow! You know, like, God does not write blank checks for you. Like, if, I'm, if I own multiple stores and one store owner you know, doesn't handle the finance as well, is always in the red. Do I throw more money at that manager? No, I find a faithful steward. So are you being faithful? And if you're being faithful, listen, 
God can provide for you. Particularly as men, we feel like, I feel like I gotta provide. No, you don't. You need to be faithful and God provides, all right? So that's the proper perspective I want you to have. Look, all money's God's money. I want you to use money to serve God, not use God to get money. God, please bless me. Please give me this. I want you to say, God, here's all my money. It's all yours. How do you want me to use it? That's a proper view of money. You're just a manager, a steward of God's money. Do you see that that way? Every penny of your paycheck. Okay, God, this is yours. God says, hey, I want you to use some of that to take care of yourself. I want you to use some of that to bless these people. That's how I want you to view money. Secondly, how to get it. Some of you are like, man, that's the bullet point. I want it right there. You know, I like money. I use it. I got some in a jar in my refrigerator. I want to put more in that jar. That's where you come in, right? So you're going to be a little disappointed if I'm just going to tell you how to get rich because most of it, Pastor Rick covered it last week. So if you're worried and you want to experience kind of more wealth, God's plan all throughout Proverbs, all throughout the scriptures is honest hard work and time. Honest hard work and time. And let me say something about the honesty. I mean, if you are swindling people, if you're scamming at your work, don't do it. Stop and or find a new job. God isn't going to bless dishonest wealth. So it's got to be honest. It's got to be hard work, you know, you know, providing a service. And then time. There's no way around it. Anybody else that gives you a different philosophy of here, do this and get rich quick, walk away, quote Bobby Boucher's mom to them, like that's of the devil, you know, like stop. (laughs) But we all want quick money. You know the problem with the get rich quick scheme is most of you will think, well, they never work. You know what the greater problem is? Sometimes they do. Do you understand what, what quick money does to you? Proverbs speaks to it. An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Quick money, if you're, you know, trying to dabble in these schemes to get quick money, stop. Because even if it does work, it's not going to be blessed by God. Do you understand the stats of what winning the lottery, what winning quick money does to people? You're more likely to declare bankruptcy after winning the lottery than before. I mean, it just destroys people. If I had a winning lottery ticket right now, and I'd say, here, I'm going to give this to you, but I'm going to bet you it's going to destroy your life. You know, I know most of you still don't have a proper view of money because many of you just went, I'd like to take that bet. (laughs) It will. But here's the deal. Here's the thing. We don't want to wait. And here's kind of, man, how do we get it? The main thing I want to address with you this morning is we don't want to wait. We don't want to save. We want it quick, so we've figured out a way how to beat God's plan. Credit. We can borrow it. I don't need to wait to earn it. Some people would just give it to me. I I want you to hear me loud and clear the danger of borrowing and credit. And this is confusing for some people, this idea of borrowing. So I got some wisdom from the Proverbs and Saturday Night Live to help us understand this complicated principle. Okay, but what if I want something, but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. I think I got it. 
I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? <laughs> no. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. <laughs> the advice is priceless and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. It's, it's simple. It's hard to wrap our head around. You know. Here's the deal. Listen to me, particularly heading into this season. If you want wisdom, don't borrow money and go into debt. It's not just because I don't want you to have stuff. That's not the deal. Do you understand the reality of what debt is in your life? The Proverbs tell us the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Do you know what debt is? Slavery. Yeah, that guy will give you that car and I'll make you this deal. Yeah, if you go and take out a loan for that, whatever you're getting, uh, you can get it, but make sure when you get that from them, you say, hey, thank you, master. Because that's your master now. MasterCard owns you. You want to say, oh, I want to serve the Lord. MasterCard's your new master. You don't get to. And this is real. Like I've seen people want to go into missions and then they're going to college and rack up crazy debt. You're not going to missions after college. You have to work to pay off your debt. You have another master beyond Jesus. So please, don't borrow and go into debt. Particularly if you're in high school about to go to college, think about this. I mean, the amount of debt that you might lop onto yourself. I saw another statistic. You know, you get married. It takes, you know, a married couple about 10 years to get to what? Broke! Not to get the money, to get to broke, like to get out of debt. It takes 10 years for you to start asking the question, okay, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Because you have to. So I beg of you, be careful the next time. And people think, oh, no, you have to have a car loan. You have to have all these things. You don't have to. There is godly wisdom that you can turn to. I heard this stat. Just kind of chew on this for a minute. If you take the average car payment, and you would invest that. Instead of having a car payment, you take that average car payment, invest it in a mutual fund, you're working years. You know what that ends up in the end? $5.6 million. But now you can, you can look like a great person and have a fancy car now, or you can have an inheritance that can bless God's kingdom and bless your kids. I mean, that's just real. And here's the deal. I want to help you live out this wisdom, all right? I actually bought everybody in here jewelry. And you might think, like, man, that might be bad with your money. It was free. I stole it from the office. So I bought everybody in here wisdom bracelets. So they are bracelets that will give you wisdom. They come in two colors, tan and a little bit darker tan. They're going to look a lot like, you know, rubber bands. And so I kid you not, right now at both of our welcome centers are two cups full of wisdom bracelets. So I want you to leave here to grab one. And particularly through the Christmas season, I want you to wear a wisdom bracelet. You can even decorate it. You can write like wisdom on one side and maybe some emojis or something. But then write fool on the other side. And here's how, this, here's how it gives you wisdom. It's, it's brilliant. So the next time you're shopping, next time you're walking around, you're in the devil's playground, you're at Target, you know, devil's backyard. And so the next time you're looking at that thing like, oh, man, that looks so nice. 
and you're about to buy something that you don't have the money for. Here's how it works. You take it, you pull it, and let go and snap out of it. Like, no, I will no longer be enslaved to you, Capital One, Target, pick your... It's just like psychologists are in here like, that's disturbing. I'm sorry. I can't. I'm just doing what I can, you know. Stop. Do whatever it takes to snap out of it. Whether you're going to buy a car or buy a bunch of presents that you, don't, you can't afford, stop. You know, you just have it. Literally wear it just to remind yourself. Maybe you snap it. Just advice, don't snap your spouses. That'd be messed up. You're like, you know, it cause stress in the marriage. But don't go into debt. Do whatever you have to. And some of you, again, you're like, yeah, you caught me by Cyber Monday, but I'm already in debt. Let it be a car payment. You know, Black Friday already came and went. The Bible actually speaks to that. Avoid it, but what if you're already in it? Go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. If you're already in debt, the Bible's clear with urgency, with immediacy. Do whatever you have to to get out of debt and get out of debt as quick as you can. Like call the lender, call whoever you're in debt to. Do whatever it takes. I had a great picture of this. Someone else I sat down with more was dealing with a parenting issue, but then I got, to, got involved in their life. They got a hold of this biblical wisdom. They were in a 4,000 square foot home with all their kids, like many of you just drowning in debt, and they said, enough. I'm going to start pursuing godly wisdom, and I'm going to start serving Jesus. So they got out of their house, moved into a trailer on their parents' yard, and just working all day, he's now picking up a night shift at Lowe's at the end of the day because they're going to do whatever it takes because they finally realized that that debt is slavery. Are you willing to do that? Or are you just going to do it, you know, we do all the time just mope. Oh, I'm in debt, I don't know, it's hard. And then you just keep going. To just let it go and not change is not following biblical wisdom. Oh, that might be humbling to deliver pizzas. Okay, do you want to serve Jesus or do you want to play the great man and make people think you have it all together? Take your pick. It's got to be one or the other. Work hard. Work hard over time. And I do want to give one more caution with that as well. Because some of that could sound like, man, are you just chasing money? Well, no, that's to get out of debt. At some point, some of you aren't in debt need to hear this. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. You could be like a gazelle just doing everything you can to get out of debt and you might like that feeling of having money and then all of a sudden that becomes your security. No, do that to get out of debt to serve Jesus. But if you have money, you need to know when to quit. Stop running yourself ragged. Why? To get rich. Wealth disappears. It's not worth that. So that's how to get it. And finally, here's where I want to kind of end. How do you handle it when you get it? Okay, God's the provider. That's the right perspective. Everything I have is God's. And so I'm going to go about God's way to get it, working hard, time. But then what do I do with it? So when God blesses you with some amount of resources, here's the kind of general three categories I've heard it broken down to. We spend, we save, and we give. 
You know, those are kind of the general ways that we could use our money. And how does it play out for most of us? Well, you got all your bills, you pay those out. And then you got all the things you want to do. And then, so you spend. And maybe you get to savings. And then how many months when it comes time down to give? Ooh, man, you just got nothing left. Because you worked through your priorities. Spent, save, give. But God is gracious, right? So he's the easy one to kind of leave out of it, right? Like, God, you'll, I mean, I know I'm supposed to give, and I know that's your plan for me, but you'll forgive me, right? I mean, ugh, it's a tight month, so sorry, God, I'll get you next month. No, you won't. Because our priorities are wrong. We have the wrong perspective towards money. If you look at biblical wisdom, Proverbs wisdom towards finances, it tells you to flip that. It says, the first thing I want you to do is give. If all of money is God's money, he says, I want you to cut me the first check so you really believe that. Because you could say you have the right perspective on money. You know what the best indicator is? What you do with it. You can say, I trust God. You can say all those things. But does God really get the priority in your budget? Listen to this. Honor the Lord with your wealth. How do you do that? And with the first fruits of your produce. Now, I love this principle. We're not farmers, but this idea of first fruits is a rich concept. Oftentimes, we'll talk about the tithe and how much is the tithe. Pastor Rick did a video on our page under give. So I'm not going to get into the tithe right now, but let's just kind of use that as a good benchmark. So 10% of your giving just goes straight to the kingdom, straight to God. So if you have 10 $1 bills, how how many bills is a tithe? Which of those $1 bills do you give to God? First one you get. The first one you get. That's what first fruits was. So they were farmers, they were agrarians, so that first crop. Now again, it's a matter of trust. It's not a matter of, you know, can I get more? I'm not making commission out of this. I don't care, you know, it doesn't do change anything for me. This is for you to put you in a posture of trusting God. So when they would give that first fruit straight back to God, they don't know if a famine's coming. They don't know if more money's coming. What do they know? God is their provider. So the first thing I get goes right back to him. Are you following that wisdom in your own life? That that first, your first check, that first budget line that you make sure you do, right to God. And I'm not even going to get into, again, that video covers how much you go to the church or, you know, missions or the poor. It's clear God if all of your paycheck is God's money, he wants a portion of it to go to giving, to go back to him, and he wants you to do that first. I've met many people that have followed this first fruits principle. Of all those people that do this, just, man, my first check goes to God. He's my trust, and I want to remind myself of that, so I give to him. I have never, ever met one that regrets it. Do you really think you're better off by just managing all your money, cutting out? God says, hey, give some of that away and to rob God of what he tells you to do with it so you can manage your own finances. You really think you're better off. Like that's the lie you believe that I can't afford that. You can't afford not to give. To take God, you know, back from God what's rightfully his so you can spend it. Do you really think 100% of your wealth is a better position than 90% of your wealth and all of the trust and all of the resources in the world with God. What's a better spot? So the question isn't, you know, whether you give or not. The question is, do I trust God? 
to provide for me. And he says, hey, to remind yourself, I want you to give as your first fruits. And then from there, save. Okay, do you stock some away? I mean, there's so many kind of reminders. Precious treasure and oil in the wise man's dwelling. But a foolish man devours it. And we literally devour our paycheck. You think of how much, you know, we go to food, eating out all those things, and we don't stock any away. He says, look, I want you to give, but I also want you to save. And that's hard because we look at it, we go, man, you're barely getting by. All of us are barely getting by. And now, I'm, now you're supposed to give. Now you're supposed to save. You're just like, man, I got nothing left. I heard a great Tim Keller quote. You know the sign that you're in a materialistic society, i.e. America? Like, just, let's just assume in the midst of all our resources, we're just riddled with materialism. You know one of the, one of the great indicators that you're in a materialistic society? You no longer can distinguish between needs and wants. How true that is in your life. And I try not to say, you know, need that. Well, I need seat warmers. Can my legs be cold? I don't know. <laughs> Food, clothing, shelter. Let me remind you. If you have those things, you're more in the want category. <laughs> I have nothing left. Like, let me show you. Our, my, this is my impression of us. Wow, man, I got nothing. I can't give. I just, I, I can't save. I got nothing left. I'll have a menti, uh, venti mojito chino latte, uh, four pumps caramel, three, no, four pumps, four, four pumps mocha, extra whip. Okay, $17, bam. I got nothing, I got nothing left. I mean, woo, I'm tapped out, right? And here's the deal, come on. Like, if we really get to that point of, okay, God, I want to be serious about doing this. We're going to get this in the right order. God, I'm going to give to you because you're my hope. I'm going to save some because I want to be able to, not just for your own security, be able to give. You ever see a wonderful thing, a wonderful need and wish you could meet it, but you can't because you got no money? What do you th- where do you think saving comes in? Your compassion will never exceed your capacity, okay? So if you want to give, you got to start saving so you can give to people in need. And none of this is going to happen on its own. Plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. So when we're talking about spending or we're talking about plans, I'm going to use a dirty word. What does that mean? A budget. You got a budget. If you want to give, you got a plan. Okay, here's how much I'm going to give. And you might have to sacrifice. Here's what I'm going to cut back. And so let me kind of end here that if you feel just overwhelmed and you have felt the tension that but you want to be in the right place, we are going to help you. So our church does Financial Peace University. Even in God's timing, it's not like we planned it. It's starting in January. So January 21st, our next class kicks off. So if you're ready to make a plan and get your finances in order and feel peace, sign up. Remember what the proverb says? Go immediately. So some of you, I, don't, I almost want to say it's strong. I want to say some of you are going to be in sin if you don't sign up for this today. I can't say that but maybe. Because so many of you, how many of you put off? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm in debt. I wish I wasn't. Like, don't go home and get your nap. Do it before kickoff. Like, you can do this. Sign up now, because that's what God says. Or you can stay in your slavery to finances. I want you to realize God is your provider. 
Everything you have is his. And I want you to use it the way he tells you to use it and feel the freedom of that. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I really don't mean that judgmentally. This is huge in my heart. God, we confess all to different degrees how much money has been our God. That's our security. That's our power. We confess that and acknowledge, God, you are our provider. You can and will provide. So God, help us to be faithful with how we handle the resources you give us to serve you. In Jesus' name. Amen.